Amen. How many glad to be in the house of God this morning? All right. It really is a blessing to be able to gather with you guys. You know, some, some things we take for granted, don't we? And uh, it's amazing how much more you appreciate things um, when you realize that real, opportunity, you know, real possibility that, that today wouldn't have happened in the same way. And so I really just appreciate the opportunity that we have to gather, and I love the opportunity we have to actually begin a brand new series this morning called Love is Greater. And, uh, you know, we planned that title and we planned that series long before we knew what we would all be dealing with. And how many would say love is greater? It's greater than what we're dealing with. It's greater than what we're going through. God's love for us is absolutely amazing. And so we are going to start a new series today. And uh, we, our plan is that this will carry us through Easter Sunday. And uh, we're going to have a big crescendo and believe God for great things come Easter. So whatever this looks like, whether we're gathering in person or whether we are gathering online, I want to encourage you to be inviting your friends, be thinking about who needs to hear the messages that we've planned to bring and the worship we plan to lead you into. And we're believing God that this is going to be one of the greatest series that we've ever done at Christian Faith Center. Who would shout amen with me? Awesome. Well, hey, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, 1 John comes just before 2 John. You guys are good. You guys are good. If you're joining us online, I hope you'll follow us uh, into the scripture that we're reading as well. We want to welcome all of those who are joining us online. We realize that today of all days, um, there's going to be many people joining us online. And so we pray that you'd be encouraged, whether you're a part of the CFC family or not a part of the CFC family, we just pray that God would move in your heart and God would speak to you today in a powerful way. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7 this morning. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, when you find it, shout yeah, baby. All right, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, we're going to read through verse 12. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation this morning, and um, I'm going to use a lot of Bible today. I hope that's okay. I'm going to use a lot of Bible, but I'm going to primarily be in the New Living Translation. So we're going to put this main text that we're kind of hanging our hat on for this series. We're going to put this up on the screens and we'll read this together. So 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, the Bible says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Can I just pause there for a second? This is real love, the Bible says. This is the benchmark. This is the standard. How many know that our love for God and our love for other people was never the standard of love? says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. How many know it's God's love that sets the standard? His is unfailing and unwavering. His love is perfect. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, 
God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. Isn't that good? Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray for just a moment and ask the Lord to speak to us, whether we're here in this room, gathering in another place, watching on a mobile device of some kind. Let's ask God to stir our hearts in faith that we'd receive something that would help us right now. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is at work within us. And God, I just pray that no matter where we are, who we are, what we're dealing with today, that you'd open up our hearts to receive something from your word that would help us, that would grow us, that would challenge us, that would move us to become more like you, to demonstrate your love in a greater way to the world around us. God, have your way through your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Just means let it be. Let it be. Hey, I've got just a few thoughts that I want you to chew on today. If you're new to the church, um, you might not know this, but I really believe the perfect sermon is three points. Come on, somebody. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's something about three. And so uh, I joke, but really most of my sermons are three points. And so I want to give you just a few things that I, I want to I give you today, but I hope that I do more than just give you a statement. I want you to catch a revelation from God. I want you to catch something in these passages and in this text that would change the way that you look at the love of God. And even in that sense, I pray it would change the way that you live your life for God. My prayer today is not just that we would gather and be encouraged, but that we would gather, be encouraged, and leave this place full of faith and full of power and full of purpose to go be light and be God's love to the world around us. How many would shout amen? amen. I don't know. If you've been to the store lately, but people need the love of Jesus right now, I'm just telling you. So I want to give you just a few thoughts. The first one may take you by surprise, but I promise if you'll just track with me, I'm going somewhere and I'm going to get you to the end. Amen? Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, first thought I want you to get this morning, God has never forgotten anything. God has never forgotten anything. It's interesting to me, I think the most important thing you believe is what you believe about God. Amen? I know we're living in a day where cute lines and Twitter handles and things like that are really important, but can I just say, having a good understanding of the Word of God is still vital to live your life the way Jesus wants you to live your life. If you don't know the promises of God, how can you prophesy the promises of God over your life? If you don't know the character of God, how can you walk in the promises of God? To know who God is, is to know what you can expect from Him. Man, I'm preaching better than you're giving me credit for this morning already. I'm two minutes in and I'm already preaching. Uh, calm down, Jordan. To know the character of God is to know what you can expect from Him. And I just want you to know that God doesn't forget anything. I know that I, and I've heard many times people say things like, well, Jesus, you know, he's, he's forgotten my sin. He's forgotten my, my, my failures. He's, for, he's forgotten things. L listen, um, God has never forgotten anything. As a matter of fact, um, in this sense, I think God is kind, of like, is kind of like our wives. Come on, married people. How many know that men and women are created in the image of God? But I think women got God's memory out of that deal. You, you know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, man, how many understand, like, we remember stuff. 
but it's like selective. You, you know what I'm saying? And even what we do remember, how many understand it's not even always what actually happened that we remember? Some of the biggest liars in the world are the golfers I know. Come on, somebody. Oh, it's definitely a birdie. Come on, somebody. Definitely. It's the fisherman in the house. Definitely 26 inches. Come on, somebody. It's definitely, we remember stuff, but even what we remember, it's not always exactly what happened. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? So, so man, I, I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes we get a bad rap for it, and then I have things that happen in my life where I'm like, okay, there's validity to that. Uh, you, you know what I mean? I, I, I lose my keys at least four times a week. I, I would lose my head if it was not firmly attached to my shoulders. Any other guys in the house with me know what I'm talking about? But our wives don't seem to be like that. And single men, I'm just telling you, your life will change when you find that girl of your dreams. She will always know where your keys are. Okay, maybe that's true for you, maybe it's not. But I'm just saying there's something about the memory that God has given women that's, that's different. I think you guys got that part, that, that part from God. My wife, she's pretty good to me, though. Um, she's pretty good to me. She doesn't, you know, hold it against me or bring up stuff or, or whatever. But it shows itself when, like, things like this. You know what I mean? I'll be like, hey, honey, I planned us a date night, and we're going to, you know, go out to dinner and go to a movie. And she'll be like, yay, it's been 17 days and four hours since you've taken me out for a date. And it's just those subtle reminders that she remembers things better than I do. You know, it, it's when I buy her flowers, she's like, oh, it's amazing. It's been 92 days since you bought me roses last. And four hours. And I, I just, I realized something that the memory thing with the ladies is good. I mean, have you ever just talked to a new mom about their baby? It's not just like, they don't just know how old their babies are. Like they know how old their babies. Oh, he's so cute. How old is he? 36 weeks, 14 days, seven hours, 44 seconds. You, you know what I mean? And I'm trying to like, da, 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 da. I'm like adding that up in my mind and a failure to compute. Oh, he's, he's cute. <laughs> or, or whatever. But I mean, it's a ferocious memory. And ladies, we, we appreciate that. And I realize that your brains work different than ours. And, and you got that from God. But I, I just want you to know that regardless of how good the memory of women is, regardless of how good or not so good sometimes the memory of man can be, I just want you to know the memory memory of God is perfect. He has never forgotten anything. He, nothing has ever slipped God's mind. And it's actually bad theology to believe that God forgets things. Because if God can forget stuff, how many know we're all in big trouble? <laughs> Because he is reigning over all creation. Have you ever just thought of the, the wonder of how we wake up in the morning and the fact that our heart just remembers to beat on its own and our, our chest remembers to breathe on its own and our eyes remember to blink on their own and open on their own and, 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 and the sun remembers to come up in the morning and the, the moon remembers to go away and the stars remember to come out and the seasons remember to come and God's mercy remembers to fall fresh on our life every morning. Aren't you glad that the God who's in charge of it all never forgets a thing? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm glad about that. 
There's a few scriptures that remind me of of God's memory. And in Psalm 147, verse 5, the Bible says, Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. His understanding, what his comprehension. Man, have you ever talked to somebody and you're just like, I'm I'm not comprehending what's coming out of your mouth right now? That's never occurred to God. As a matter of fact, nothing has ever occurred to God. Because he knows everything. Psalm 139, 1 through 3. I love this. It says, O Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. Let that sink in for just a second. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Let that sink in. Even when you were not with God, he was with you. He knew everything and knows everything. He knows your thoughts. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. Check this out. You know everything that I do. Listen to Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. This really seals the deal for me. A declaration from God himself regarding who he is. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. How many are glad that God's not just the beginning, he's also the end? Not just the Alpha, but also the Omega. Not just the first, but also the last. God was there in the beginning, and he'll be there at the end. God was with us before the corona thing. He'll be with us through the corona thing. He'll be here for us after that has come and other things. We've had to face other things. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, the first and the last. He's never forgotten anything that you've ever gone through. He's never forgotten a thing. He, he, he's seen every pain you've ever walked through. He's seen every struggle that you've ever dealt with. He's seen every act you've ever committed. He's seen every betrayal you've ever experienced. He's seen everything you've ever done. He knows every thought you've ever thunk. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, I don't have time to go into all the scriptures, but the Bible says he knows everything down to the hairs on your head, down to the tears that you've shed. God has seen them all. Now, I know some of us right now, it's real quiet in this church this morning because that's a terrifying thought for you. (laughs) But I've got some good news for you. You guys want some good news? Because the reality is that God has never forgotten anything ever. But I want you to write down something very important that I believe is going to transform the way that some of you guys walk with God. Number two, I want you to write this down. But love, love chooses not to remember your sin. Love chooses not to remember your sin. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And I need you to catch this this morning. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It keeps no record. None. Now we read this passage at weddings and it's like, man, we start people off in the big leagues. You're like, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude, no records. All the ladies are like, whoo, that's big leagues. You know what I mean? Like, Come on, somebody. Listen to Isaiah 43, verse 25. I need you to catch this. I, even I, am him who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And this is where it gets good. Listen to this. And I will not remember your sins. I will not remember. Now listen, there is a huge difference between forgetting something and not remembering something. 
See, forgetting is inadvertent. Forgetting is accidental. Ever forgot something? I forget stuff all the time. It slipped my mind. The actual definition of forgetting means to fail to remember. How many know that God has never failed? He's never failed to be God. He's never failed to be good. He's never failed to perform his word. He's never failed to act on everything he said he would do. He's never failed to save somebody who called out to them. He's never failed to forgive sin to those who've asked for forgiveness. He's never failed to perform his word. He's never failed to be perfect, never failed to remember. He's never failed to be God. God has never failed, will never fail. So it's impossible for God to forget anything, to fail to remember anything. But there's a big difference between forgetting and not remembering. See, not remembering is intentional. It means a conscious and willful decision to no longer consider something. See, if you don't understand the difference toward this, then you'll miss a big part of God's love for you. Because think about this in the human perspective. How hard is it sometimes to not remember the things people have done to you? It can be really hard sometimes, can't it? You actually, you know when you've really forgiven somebody, when you come into their presence and you don't remember anymore, you don't hold against them whatever you guys had dealt with in the past. I need you to understand, God has never forgotten anything. But when we come into God's presence, he makes a willful conscious decision to not remember any mistake we've made, to not remember any sin we've committed, to not remember any act that we've committed, to not remember any failure that we've committed. If you belong to Jesus, if Jesus is your king, if he's forgiven your past, if he's Lord of your life, he makes a willful, conscious decision in love to not hold any of that against you, to not remember it anymore. If you're grateful for that, I'd give God a shout right now. If you're grateful for that online this morning, I'd give God a shout for that. He makes a willful decision not to count any of that against you, not to hold any record of wrong in your life. See, God is not forgetful. He's not rememberful. Let me say that again. God is not forgetful, but he is not rememberful. He, he, in love, has made a decision to not remember any of the things that you've done that were, that were wrong, any of the mistakes that you've made, any of the things that have caused you to fall short of the glory of God. How many know the scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? There's not one of us who stands perfect. There's not one of us who could be right apart from what Jesus did for us. All of us have fallen short. And together, God has made a decision to not remember those things that have caused us to fall short. Aren't you glad for that? But I just want to point something out to you. The love of God is greater than that. A lot of us think that God is failure-focused. We think that God's so good because he just doesn't remember our sin anymore. And that's kind of the way we live our lives. We're like, no, God's good. I mean, he, he, you know, he doesn't remember my sin, and he's forgiven me. And uh, you know that forgiveness of sin is the beginning, not the end. God is not walking around going, saw that sin, going to forget it. <clears throat> saw that sin, not going to remember it. God is not failure-focused. God is future-focused. 
God's love is focused on you. He loves you, and he did not die for sin. He died for you. Sin just happened to be in the way. Your shortcomings just happened to be in the way. This is what makes the gospel such good news. Not that Jesus loved sin and died for sin, but that Jesus loved you and died for you. And in getting you, he made a decision to not remember your sin anymore because of the sacrifice of his son. How many are grateful for that today? So listen, God's not focused on your failure. This is good news because many of us are living our life like, oh, I messed up, man. Oh, God saw that. There's another sin for him to forgive. I bet he's got a list of those things somewhere in his office where he's just writing it down and I'm giving him lots of content and I'm giving him, I'm really putting God's mind to the test right now because I'm giving him a lot to forgive and forget. What if I told you God was less focused on your failure and more focused on your victory? What if I told you love was greater than having a failure focus? What if I told you love was greater than just having a father in heaven that is doing his level best to forgive your sin? What if I told you that God is so good that the sacrifice of his son forgave your, paid the price for your sin that when Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead, that any who believe on him, his forgiveness is so complete, his love is so good, it's so much greater that it took care of your sin past, present, and future. So much so that God's focus shifts when you're in Christ. And he's no longer focused on your failure. Because your failure has been taken care of in Jesus. Love makes a decision not to remember. But more than that, I want you to write this down. And this is really where I want to land today. Love, it doesn't just not remember your sin. Love chooses to keep track of your wins. God doesn't just forget your sin, not remember it anymore. He chooses to keep track of your wins. How many know as a father, if you're a guy in this room or really anybody that's had a father, I'd be all of us, come on somebody, I'm just trying to get some engagement this morning, y'all are doing okay, but could be better, I'm just being honest. Listen, how many know it would be a lot better to have a father that isn't just focused on our failure and then overcoming it? Hey, saw that, bud. That was really, that, that sucked, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going I'm to make a decision. Hey, 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 buddy, hey, buddy, saw that, wrote that down, but it's okay, I'm going to let it slide. How many know a good father is less focused on sin and more focused on wins? How many know a good father is celebrating the things that are happening in the lives of his kids? How many know a good father is focused on the good we're doing and the growth we're experiencing and the things that are happening in our life that are positive? It's not focused on sins. God is focused on wins. We have a good father in heaven. Not a failure-focused father, a father that paid the price once for all. So his focus is no longer on what's separating. His focus is now on his own image in you. His focus now is celebrating the things your faith produces in this world. His focus is celebrating all the good things that God is doing in your heart and all the good things your faith is producing in this world. Listen to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It's one of the most powerful passages for us right now in this moment. Listen, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for him. And, he will, and, and how you have shown your love to him 
by caring for other believers as you still do. See, as a follower of Jesus, not only has God promised not to remember your failure anymore, but he has promised to keep track of the victories that your faith is producing. See, some of us have been living our life thinking that in heaven, God's got a drawer in his office, and inside this drawer is the score. It's the score of of how we're doing, and in this file is a list of all of our failures. A lot of us think that God just pulls this file out of the drawer and looks at the score occasionally and goes, "Mm, I remember 1997. I remember 2010. Myself. I remember that. A lot of us think, you'll get that on the way home. Um, A lot of us think that God's got a drawer and... He keeps the score. But can I tell you that in Christ, this is no longer even a focus of the Father. This cabinet actually does not exist in heaven. Because of the Lamb who sits on the throne, because of Jesus who paid the price once for all, the focus of the Father has been shifted in our lives and in this world, and He is not failure-focused. As a matter of fact, the focus of God now actually has shifted in our life, and we have a God that is cheering us on from heaven. You'll have to give me a little creative liberty, but I like to actually think that in heaven, not only is there not a file cabinet anymore that Christ did away with that, it's now in the storage room, going to be burned up one day. It's old data, irrelevant information, but now God has a trophy case in his office for every single one of us, and in God's office there's a trophy case, and this one says Jordan Hodges, and in this case is not my failures. In this case is all the things that I've done for God. All the things that God's, that God's power, God's strength, God's mercy, God's grace in my life has produced. All of the victories in my life. As I overcame addiction, I like to think God's not up there going, good, I never liked you doing that anyway. I almost threw you into hell for all that drugs you were doing. No, no, no. I like to believe that God goes, that's my boy. He overcame. He's free. I don't remember that stuff anymore. I remember that he's free. I like to believe God's up in heaven going, not, not going, well, I remember all that bad stuff you used to do and all that damage that you did. And I spent many years of my Christian life trying to do enough good to overcome all the bad that I had produced in my life before Jesus. And I realized I'd been working from a file mentality. Come on, somebody. Not a grace mentality. When I came to Christ, I'm a new creation. I was born again. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. That's true for me, and that's true for you, friends. Now in Christ, God is going, I see the good things you're doing for the body of Christ. I see those those sermons in faith that you're preaching. I see the prayers that you pray. I see your faithfulness to the kingdom, and I believe God does the same for you. He sees the victory victories in your life. He sees how you overcame uh, your fear with faith. He sees how you overcame greed with generosity. He sees how you've overcome the negative and the evil in this world. He sees all of the fruit that your faith has produced. And he is focused on that. And in heaven, God is not keeping score, but he's keeping track. 
And he's keeping track of the victories that your faith has produced. And I need you to know something, friends. That in these days, it is so important that we understand that God is cheering us on. I believe he's up in heaven not judging America right now, not judging the world right now. I believe that this world is fallen. Sickness and disease is part of a fallen world. God did not institute the coronavirus. Come on, somebody. But you know what God did institute? He instituted the church. And the church is supposed to shine bright in the midst of this fallen world. Where there is sin, the gospel of grace should be preached. Where there is sickness, the power of God should be released. Where there is fear, the peace of God should be released in the earth. And it happens through the church. We are God's people. He's not up there judging us. He's up there celebrating us as we live out our faith, live out our victory, live out the power of God that is in our lives. God is in heaven cheering us on. That's who, that's who he is. Listen to 1 John 5 verse 4. The Bible says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And so listen, I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you in this. This is the time to demonstrate that your love is greater. This could look very simple right now. I believe that heaven would celebrate something as simple as just leaving one package of toilet paper on the shelf for the next family. Hey, hey we laugh, but love is greater than fear. See, faith is not the opposite of fear. And fear is not the opposite of faith. But love, in many ways, is the opposite of fear. You can't love well if fear is strong. Because fear will tell you to hoard so that you'll have. Fear will tell you to make it about yourself and not about other people. Fear will tell you to only worry about your own needs and not the needs of your neighbor right now who's dealing with a lot and maybe they don't know Jesus and maybe they don't have the hope that you have. Maybe they don't have the strength that you have. Fear will keep you from being the salt of the world. Fear will keep you from being the light of the world. Fear will keep you from being bold people that would demonstrate your faith and promote the glory and the goodness of Jesus in the earth right now. Love is greater. Love will keep you focused. Love will keep you uh, not only focused on God, but love will keep you focused on people. Love will keep you uh, from getting caught up in greed. He's cheering us on right now. And I just want us to take a moment as we get ready to end the service, end our gathering this morning. We're going to mix things up. We're going to end with some worship and with a time of generosity. But I just I need you to catch this today. Maybe we could even do this. Maybe we could bow our heads and close our eyes as we get ready to just process what God is speaking to us. These are unprecedented days and unprecedented times. We have a responsibility as the church to shine. And I want you to know that you've never been left out, but God's counted you in. You have never been ruled out. God wants to rule you in. His heart is for you, not against you. His heart is to forgive you, not judge you. The gospel's good news. It's good news. It's good news. And I think what this world needs right now is some good news. And maybe you're here in this room today and you just say, Pastor, what I needed was good news. I've been hearing a lot of bad news. 
Maybe there's some things I shared today that really resonated with your heart, but can I just tell you, until you've made a decision for Jesus, you can't make a decision for peace. Until you've made a decision for Jesus, you can't make a decision for victory because peace is found in Jesus and victory is found in Jesus. And finding Jesus is the greatest thing we could ever find. He's the greatest treasure we could ever have. It begins and ends with Jesus. He's everything in between. He's the most infinitely valuable thing we could ever possess. And guess what? He's for you. He wants to be your God. He wants to forgive your life. He wants to fill you with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That power could live in you. And it starts with making a decision for Jesus. So listen, if you're here today, I just want you to know the greatest decision you'll ever make is what you're going to do with Jesus. You either have to ignore him or make him king. There is no in-between. And listen, a lot of us have something else sitting on the throne of our hearts. Could be fear. Could be a lot of things. But Jesus wants to occupy that space. He wants you to make a decision to make him king. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you just say, Pastor, today... I need to make a decision for Jesus today. I need to change out the leadership in my life. I don't want to be led by self. I don't want to be led by greed. I don't want to be led by depression. I don't want to be led by failure or sin. I want to be led by Jesus and by grace and by power. I want to make a decision to make Jesus Lord today. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up in the air. If God is speaking to your heart now, if you want to make a decision to make Jesus Lord, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three. Raise them high. Raise them high. Raise them high. This is a time to be proud, not ashamed. My goodness. God, you see, you see every decision for you. Thank you that you are at work in the lives of your people. If you're watching online right now, I want you to know a new life is a decision away. God loves you and He is for you and He proved that through the cross. Today could be the day that changes everything. I believe it is the day that's changing everything for so many in this room today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray a prayer. It doesn't need to be religious. It doesn't need to be exactly like this. But can we just pray this together? And all of you who love Jesus, pray this prayer together and let's support these many people that are making decisions for Christ today. Let's pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus. Come on, say it in faith. Jesus, right now, I come to you just as I am. And Lord, I need a Savior. I have failed. I am broken. I have sinned. I have fallen short of your glorious standard. But Jesus, you're good enough. And you died for me on that cross. And you rose from the dead. And you are alive today. And Jesus, I trust you. I make you Lord of my life. Give me a new heart. Give me a new start. I put you on the throne. I make you king. Transform me. Save me. Change me. I will serve you all my days. Give me peace where there was fear. Give me strength where there was weakness, make me new. I'm yours. I'm now a Christian, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody shouted, amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? We're getting ready to dismiss.
in just a couple of minutes, but I need you to catch this. We're going to conclude service by just the next couple of minutes. We're going to sing, and I, I need you to hear this though, because 1 John 5, 4 says, every child of God defeats the evil in this world, and this is how we achieve the victory. It's through our faith. It's through our faith. How many know faith just worked miracles in the hearts of many people today? They are a new creation because of their decision to choose Jesus. Listen, I need you to hear this. In times like this, church, I need you to know, I don't want to just be a church that has enough. My, my concern is not just that, that our church would respond with enough generosity that we could keep doing what we're doing. Listen, there are going to be people that have needs in our community. There are going to be seniors that need help. There are people right now that need encouragement. There are needs that need to be met. There are other churches that are struggling. There are missionaries right now laboring overseas, trying to help people. And we are called to be the answer. We are called to overflow with generosity, to be a more than enough church. And I need you to hear this because I don't know what next week looks like but I know who holds next week and his name is Jesus Christ he's on the throne and he's in control but here's what I know he moves through the lives of his people to financially support his church and I'm asking you not to be gripped by fear I'm asking you to be moved by radical generosity and we're gonna conclude today we're not gonna pass a bucket cuz you know germs but what we're gonna do is if you're giving online, I'm going to ask you to do that now. I'm going to ask you to get your phone out. I'm going to ask you to give. If you're giving through the church app, I'm going to ask you to give. Some of you do this regularly. You tithe, you give offerings, and I honor that. But what we need to do right now is respond above and beyond. Pastor Amanda and I, we decided we're going to do all that we can right now financially. We're going to go above and beyond to not just have enough, but to make a difference. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be the hope of the world. And it's going to take all of us rising up in faith to not just meet our needs, that is the bottom level, but to meet the needs of our community. How many want to believe God that we're going to be a more than enough house? No matter what this looks like, no matter what goes on, no matter what rises and falls in this world, our faith, our life is not going to be governed by fear. It's going to be governed by faith. If you're giving through a check or with cash, I'm going to ask you to pull the envelope out of the chair back in front of you. And just begin to write down whatever you're going to give today. But I'm asking all of you, would you do something today? None of us can do what all of us can do together. Maybe you could give way above and beyond. Maybe you could just give something. If we all act in faith together, miracles happen in our midst. And so we're going to conclude today by giving, by stretching our faith. And I want to ask you together, let's sing this chorus one more time as we give today. Because God is working all things for good. How many believe that today? Come on, come on, he's working all things.